once knew these two guys. Each, in their own way, had had it all. And blew it. Left with broken brains and battered bravery, having to find parts of themselves they had seen in film and cinema. But who were they anymore? If they were going to do this, it needed to be the most thorough search for identity ever undertaken. Welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast with your hosts, Ben Groves and Rob McFarland. This episode contains spoilers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast. My name is Ben Groves. And my name is Rob McFarlane. Welcome to the show where two 30-something dudes uh, check in with each other once a week and check on their mental health, but kind of hide it as a, as a movie podcast so that neither of us have to admit what we're really doing. It is a thinly veiled disguise. Very thinly veiled, very thinly veiled. Thinly veiled! But in order to maintain that veil of disguise, uh, whilst hmm. also sort of doing the do uh i feel like before we get to what we're doing i have to ask you how are you doing buddy i'm uh, i'm doing all right man i'm doing all right i had uh i've had this week off work for the first time since march which has been nice uh the second i left the office my brain went into better be fucking productive <laughs> guilt mode <laughs> so every time i decide like i'm gonna have a little bit of a lie-in or i'm gonna have an easy day my brain's like yeah <laughs> good fucking try buddy get on something <laughs> and get on it now so yeah i've essentially had a week off of rushing around doing podcast stuff yep which has been lovely. It's very productive. There's been a real case of like, you've been so on the podcast stuff that like all the social stuff like that has been done. And I've, if anything, mm. caught your disease of going, oh my God, I've, n- I've not done enough. I've not done enough of the podcast. Mm. So I can relate. I can relate to the, the yeah, doing nothing. It sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, it's bad. It was the Magic the Gathering pre-release on Saturday. So I went to the Boardroom Game Cafe to have coffee and cake, naturally. In and Telford? Then- in Telford, go and see it. Wellington High Street Boardroom Gaming Cafe. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, they do, yeah, they did the pre-release. Very nice. And this time, I didn't come second to last. I right. came twenty-third out of thirty. Oh, really mate. fucking big step up. Massive step up. Yeah. Nicely done. Yes. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Plus the new sets, Wicked Wilds of Eldraine. How are you, buddy? Ugh. I would describe myself as. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> it's just been it's been a rough week at work, uh, which I'm not going to get into because oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, home's not been great either, but I I do feel like both of those problems have been made worse by the fact that, like, uh, uh, maybe listeners can let us know. But like, at what point does weather become a hate crime? Because as a recovering goth, right, I am really struggling. Like, I don't own shorts. Okay, and. I'm currently sat here, like the Mars bar yeah. you found in your back pocket after a school trip. Do you know what I yes, mean? I'm just dude, melted same. and gross same. and out of shape. You know that one candle that you yeah. get bought for Christmas? The one yeah. candle that you just ignore, you leave it next to the radiator and it melts. Mm-hmm. And then whenever the heating comes on, it melts. You can't light yeah. it. You can't do shit with it. It's just a candle, but you keep it there out of like sort of, it's more of an obligation than a gift, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of heat uh, in this sort of nuclear fire, what are we actually covering this week, Ben? Buddy, today's a sad one. It's the finale of our Christopher Nolan. It's the finale of our Christopher Nolan series. Uh, we're going to be covering the 2023 box office smash hit Oppenheimer. Oh. Oh, oh. It, it is it's sad to see the back of Christopher Nolan. One of the things when we started this series, because we've now covered every film that Christopher Nolan has ever made. Right. Every single one. And before we started it, you were desperate to not for us to not do this. You were like, I hate him. Yeah, I hate his. I yeah. hate his movies. I hate his fans. I hate everything he stands for. I hate his stupid fucking scarf. Fucking scarf. I still hate that scarf. <laughs> I don't want that on the record. The scarf is ridiculous. I can't excuse the scarf. Good. But I, I do feel like it's been a wonderful thing to see you blossom in your appreciation. Thanks, man. Of Chris Nolan. Aside from the chin strokey wankers who make it more than it is. You know, he makes enjoyable oh. films. 
He makes enjoyable it, films dude, and that's all there is to it, all right? If I could go back in time, and when I first watched Memento, with the people I watched it with, the chin-strokey yeah. hipster stoners who were just sort of like, hey, did you realise Memento was mm-hmm. told both forwards and backwards? Yes, cunt. Yeah. Yes, everyone does. Every, it's the one fact that I knew going into yep. a Christopher Nolan movie blind, right? Yeah. If I could go back in time and change that, I would, because I feel like I've I've missed out on a, all of his films in the cinema, apart yeah. from yeah, yeah. Oppenheimer. I think yeah. I saw Interstellar once or twice, maybe once. I think I saw it once and then forgot about it, its existence. <laughs> but yeah, so Oppenheimer... Yeah, I don't know, man. I was, it, again, I went into that film yeah. with some people from the olden days, and I was yeah. like, "And you went in with a frown already installed, like you yeah. were like, yeah, yeah." I went in with a pre-melted candle of a face and was like, <laughs> "I don't like this already." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oppenheimer only cost a hundred million to make, which it's is disgusting, insane. For those yeah, of you that have seen it, uh, just bear in mind you think back to that film and go it cost a hundred million there are indie comedies that cost more than that yes it's insane uh this is currently sat around 850 million at the box office uh fuck me man which seems low considering how popular it's been but it's also r-rated and it's easy to forget that it's r-rated because there's so little in it that seems yeah i forgot it was r-rated until you told me yesterday (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the few films shot entirely on IMAX or 70mm full frame uh, and contains around about 200, 280 VFX shots, uh, all, almost all of which are to remove cables and safety equipment and fire extinguishers yeah, and, that makes sense. and stuff like that. But if you see it on screen, it's done practically, including a fucking nuclear explosion. Yeah, that's that. See, this is what, <laughs> kind of had me raising eyebrows before I even went to cinema. There was a yeah. there was a story published saying they've somehow figured out how to recreate a nuclear explosion without using any CGI. CGI. And it yeah. was it was the face, you know, where you just sort of like you know when your friend says that their cousin mm-hmm. is like Dr. Dre. Yeah, yeah. Or they've got an uncle who works at Nintendo and he can beat Super yeah, Mario yeah, yeah, in yeah. five minutes because he's got it. a secret cheat code. And you're like, get fucked, can you? Bring your NES into school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My cousin works for Sega. What's his job? Games. Good. Yeah. Great. Good. <laughs> Good stuff. It's Thanks. one of those claims, right? It's one of those claims where you're like, yeah, that was my face. I was like, shut the fuck up, man. Come on. Like, I know he's ridiculous. And we do yeah. this every episode where you tell me something stupid mm-hmm. that seems impossible. Yeah. But is entirely factual that Christopher Nolan just sat down and was like, yeah, I just want to do this. I just want to flip a truck or I just want to build, I don't know, a 500 acre corn farm. Yeah, yeah, And then totally. sell the corn when I'm done. Yeah. Like that sort of shit. So when I read that, I was like, bollocks. <laughs> bollocks. Yeah. 100% true. And then you saw it, right? And then I saw it and was like, fuck me, man. All right. Yeah, fair. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> so this film's not been out at home streaming yet. We're aware that some of you may not have chosen to go see this at the cinema. Please do. Please, please yeah. do see this at the cinema. It is when when it's it, it's a very dialogue heavy film. It's a historical biopic, but I guarantee you, this film is best in the cinema. Christopher Nolan makes films pretty much with only the cinema in mind. He doesn't really particularly care about home media. This mm. is worth seeing at the cinema. It's worth seeing in the cinema. It's worth seeing in IMAX. Pay yes, the extra. It is. Pay the extra. Pay the extra. It's fucking worth it. For those of you that haven't seen it yet. Uh, and aren't intending to welcome we're gonna break down the the film for you now so you know what the rest of this podcast is about for those of you who are intending to see it and are about to get annoyed with us for breaking this film down fuckity bye right in the go pause it and come back once you've seen the movie (laughs) you can't on the one hand go i want to see this film let me listen to a podcast that's got a spoiler warning at the front and then have us have a little five minute chat about how we're about to spoil the movie so that those who have seen it can be reminded those who aren't intending Mm -hmm. to see it can know what we're talking about and then Mm -hmm. get grumpy all right so ben yeah don't get grumpy would you care to start the breakdown that we have compiled and carefully written for oppenheimer lovely Christopher Nolan tells the story of Robert J. Oppenheimer, the inventor of the nuclear bomb, through two pivotal times in history. The first segment, called Fission, is told in colour, using the framework of his security clearance hearing in an era of supreme socialism paranoia, it tells of his life before the bomb, studying in Cambridge, including 
the near poisoning of a professor, the <laughs> development of the gadget, mm-hmm. and the build-up to the first detonation. The second thread of this film is called Fusion and is told in black and white. And this covers the hearing of Louis Strauss, chair of the Atomic Energy Commission, as he is considered for appointment to the U.S. Senate decades after the successful test. He is told to explain his relationship and working dynamic with Oppenheimer in both the years before and after the Trinity test firing. Despite Oppenheimer's brilliance, he makes several missteps in both his personal and professional life. He is socially... I was doing so good. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. You got this. I'm so proud. He associates with socialist-leaning intellectuals, even having an affair with one such communist agitator. He rarely trusts his co-workers with the reasoning behind his decisions, preferring instead to only rely on his own brilliance as a safeguard against criticism. We see the strain of racing the Nazis to be the first to achieve nuclear ignition, including the worry that any success may lead to a chain reaction that simply never stops, ending the world entirely. Jesus Christ. Following a successful test in which the atmosphere does not catch fire, Jesus Christ. the bomb is dropped on Hiroshima. <laughs> Fuck me. Shortly followed by a second attack on Nagasaki. <laughs> Oppenheimer tries to mask his personal guilt with the pride at having, inverted commas, won the war, uh, with varying mm. degrees of success. Mm. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. There's points, there's points to be made there, which we will get into <laughs> shortly. Uh, but as time and the film goes on, the mistakes and enemies that he made along the way to his grand achievement come back to bite him in the arse, ultimately leading to the loss of his security clearance, essentially delivering a death sentence for the career of a nuclear scientist. Now, dear listener, I want all of you, wherever you may be, headphones, speakers, commuting, whatever, Car. to just raise a little mental alcohol-free glass to Ben Groves who despite Thank having you. to do battle with Dyslex Luther all the fucking time... Mm. Oh, I kicked his ass. <laughs> nailed that, and also nailed Thanks. the half of it that had the worst fucking words in it. He associates yeah. with socialist-leaning intellectuals, even having an affair with one such communist agitator. You are a cunt for this. You wrote this. Yeah. You chose who reads what bit. <laughs> you gave yeah, no. me the fucking wordiest... I'm looking at your ones yeah. here, right? Yeah, yeah. The hardest word you've got is Nagasaki. We... In the sea. We got. <laughs> I got them the wrong way around. I got the lead in the wrong way around. I was supposed got to you. have all the hard words, and I'd given you the, the single syllable... Bomb man did bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oppenheimer, bad man. Strauss, bad man. Bomb, bad bomb. <laughs> There's a joke here, Rob. Yes. And I'm not going to make it because I'm a better person than others. Mm-hmm. But there's a joke here about this film uh, bombing in Japan. I'm not going to make the joke. Mm. I just want you to know that the joke is there. We're all aware of it. You know? Yeah, it would be it's tasteless. too soon. It would be yeah, tasteless. it's crass. It's crass, tasteless. Yeah, you'd also have to tell it twice in order to be historically accurate, so... Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The second one bigger, though, right? I'd have to go bigger on the second retelling. Just like we just did. Uh, right? I would like to get us into our informal chat around the themes of Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer biopic by yeah. talking about Killian fucking Murphy. We start in here. It's a strong start. It's a strong start. Killian Murphy in this role. He's been a, a Christopher Nolan collaborator for a long time. He was in Batman as Scarecrow. He's popped up here he and was. there. And I feel like Nolan has always known that he's a great actor and has just been waiting for the role mm. to put him in. Mm-hmm. Fuck me. This was the one, huh? <laughs> it's, if this isn't the one, it's pretty fucking close, man. It is. It's insane. <laughs> I, I've always had a love-hate relationship with Killian Murphy. Right? Really? Uh, 28 Days Later, great. Incredible. Love it. Dunkirk, recently great. saw that and it blew my literal tits off. I went from C cup to A cup yep. over four watchings of that film, right? <laughs> love him. Love him, love him, love him. Peaky Blinders cannot stand that fake Brummy accent that he does. That's and it a you ruins thing. everything. Because I yeah. love Peaky I'm aware it's a me thing. I, I'm not from the area. So to me, I'm just exactly. like, well, this sounds great. Whereas to you, I'm you're tw- like, ah! <laughs> I'm 20 minutes away. And yeah. most of my family have the Brummy accent. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're all from West Brom and Birmingham. So when I'm like, 
Mm-hmm. When I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh God, what is that? Yeah. Why yeah. is someone che- why is someone hoovering a cheese grater <laughs> and claiming it to be a yam yam accent? What is happening right now? Where's the brummy? Yeah, so there's my love hate. I feel like this was the film to reclaim that love. There's a brilliant mm. um first tuition scene where he sort of gives his first lecture and it's to one student. Yes. And it's a montage scene, and in every edit. There's a mm-hmm. visible change in Oppenheimer's level of confidence. But the yeah. first line he delivers, which he does so beautifully, and it's so pivotal to everything I feel about this film, I wanted to say it. He asked his student, is light made of particles or waves? It's both. It's paradoxical and yet it works. It's both a particle and a wave, right? Yeah. And I feel for me that that's the crux of the reason why Nolan is making this film, because every single Christopher Nolan film is about a paradox. Insomnia is about the paradoxical detective who's both a good guy and bent as fuck. Mm. Interstellar is about a time paradox. Yeah. Dunkirk is about a paradox where the retreat is the greatest victory. We're retreating and we're winning by retreating. There's not a single Christopher Nolan film that doesn't have a massive fucking paradox at its core. Okay. And for me, we spoke about we spoke about the most Nolan film. You know, Tenet was the most Nolan. And I think it was the most Nolan in a bad way. I think this okay. film yeah, is the most that. Nolan in a good way because every fucking character and point yeah. that this film makes is paradoxical. I can appreciate that, man, wholeheartedly. Like th- the apple, the apple is a paradox. It's not true. There's a scene in this film where he poisons an apple yeah. that his tutor uh, has on his desk the whole time yeah, yeah. because he's angry at him and he wants to get back to him and he puts an incredibly toxic fucking cyanide uh, syringe in the apple. Mm-hmm. And that one apple represents about six different things. <laughs> what did you take that apple as, though? Like, what did it, what did it hit you with? So for me, it's, uh, it's a shocking moment in the film because at the moment, this guy's just a physicist, right? He's like a, a, yeah. a booky, anxiety-ridden physicist. Yeah, he's homesick from America. He's studying in yeah. the UK. He's a fucking nerd. We can say it. He's just a fucking nerd, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And to see him attempt murder mm. is this incredible, like, what the fuck is this guy? Mm. Who would do that? Yeah. But it's tied into, uh, so like, and Apple is such a, a, a potent symbol you've got the apple of eden that whole thing of like it's knowledge you know here's the yeah. here's the fruit of the tree of knowledge and here is a man who's willing to poison it the idea that this idea is Ooh, is, is powerful right that's good because this man is going to have an incredibly powerful idea you know that going into the cinema you've also got like the, the as in like a little nod to you know the whole physics side of stuff you've got the apple that fell on newton's head right theory of gravity it's like a, it's a symbolic thing for this uh, for me, though, personally, mm. I took the apple. There's a little bit of foreshadowing. Right. Maybe a little bit of foreshadowing. Because we open up with Killian Murphy with the raindrops. Yeah. Just looking at the raindrops, it's the chain reaction. It's, the, it's mm-hmm. the visual representation of the chain reaction that's like, you know, constantly brought, we're constantly brought back to it throughout the film. Yeah, yeah. The apple, I took it as Oppie. I'm going to call him Oppie because yeah, we're best yeah. mates. Fine, uh, I took it as Oppie building or making his first weapon of mass destruction. It's his first right. world ending weapon. Because it's not, it, it's world ending for him. Yeah, okay. It would end his world. It would end everyone, the... everyone surrounding those parties. Yeah. Exactly. But what we see is immediately after this is we see Oppie mm. have the mental wherewithal and the resilience to amend this action, right? He, yeah. he, yeah, yeah sets rights his wrongdoings, he runs mm-hmm. through, he gets rid of the fucking apple, he smacks it out of um, mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh's hand, claiming yeah, it was yeah. a wormhole. Yeah. Funny little <laughs> physicist funny, joke. Funny little interstellar yeah. joke as well. I was like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If, you were, if you were coming in here expecting some interstellar theories, Christopher Nolan literally has a character slap it out of your hand and just go, wormhole. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I mean. But you've got the foreshadowing of that where he's, he's feeling guilty mm. and he's realising what he's done immediately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guilt and all of this sort of like the 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 torture begins immediately. He's like, "Holy fuck, what have I done?" Yeah, yeah. And he bolts through to get it fixed, right? Because he can fix it. That's within his grasp. 
it's so tightly tied in with the themes of this film, but also primes mm. you. It wrongfoots you. Do you remember when we covered the fourth kind and you were talking mm-hmm. about the clo- open close quotes, real footage? Yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking with your expectations as a viewer, right? Yeah. Most biopics, you have an understanding, okay, this person thinks, behaves like a normal person, right? Yes. This one sort of bizarre act, even though in the in the book that this is based on, American Prometheus, it's it's not necessarily said that it is true. It's uh it's kind of hinted at, and we don't actually know for historical fact that he did. Yeah. The reason Nolan keeps it in is because it it immediately alienates Oppenheimer from you. It makes you question his decision-making. It yes. makes you not trust him as a character. And so everything 100%. that follows, all of the mm-hmm. all the risky decisions, you don't have that comfort as an audience member of going, I know what's going to happen and I know that he's right because I know that he's a good guy. All of that is gone. Yeah. And it's that paradoxical Christopher Nolan, you're going to like this guy and you're not going to trust this guy and you're not going to know if this guy knows what he's doing. It sets up later themes of doing a thing and then regretting it later. And we know for a fact you're not going to be able to fucking do that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it sets, it sets up that, that expectation. But then it does that for every single element of this his piece of history that you, you care to mention. You know, that, that mixed viewpoint is spread throughout the cast in in the sense that when it comes to the bomb and the morality of building it or whether or not they should, every viewpoint that, that you could hold about the morality of nuclear weapons is represented in this film. It is. By a scientist or a politician or somebody explicitly saying. It is. It's You know, and his de- his defense being that the Nazis are, are building it already. So who would you rather build it, us or them? This technology is a technology whose time has come. I mean, that holds up for a little bit, but then when mm-hmm. after the you know Hitler's killed himself and mm-hmm. there's protests being like the the Germans are about to surrender, we don't need this, we don't yep. need the gadget anymore, we don't need to build this bomb, and then it shifts from being a race with the mm-hmm. Nazis, it shifts to being a race with the Soviets. It also then because the Soviets have been atomic testing, mm-hmm. and it also shifts yeah. to this is a deterrent. It's going to end all war forever. Because now we have a full stop that if yep. anyone pushes this button, it is game over for everyone. So yeah. everyone will stop. Yes. That's, the, that's the spin that he puts on himself. But also by that point, the chain reaction mm-hmm. has started. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this film, you know, the chain reaction of they, they started it because the Nazis were going to do it. Yeah. And then by that point, the idea had caught fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. The idea of the nuclear bomb had caught fire. And for me, this film is entirely about ideas. Mm-hmm having them the people that have them and then yeah. what happens once those ideas catch fire and start to burn everything around them i've got a, i've got a point i'm so proud of having realized that i'm going to get <laughs> to later that's all about okay. that but this entire film is a chain reaction of unintended tiny moments leading to to one big thing to have an, a historical biopic that basically says history feels grand in retrospect yeah. but at the time yeah. los alamos test facility is just there because he liked going camping there as a kid yeah that was his that's his ranch him and his brother's ranch yeah that's it if he could combine physics and los alamos his life would be perfect yeah and he did it and his life was shit yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those yeah. like those unintended consequences of tiny chain reactions i mean as a thing to 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 talk about human nature mm-hmm. in a film about a nuclear physicist it's fucking insane it's ridiculous it's insanely clever writing the writing goes deeper as well the writing the the chain reaction doesn't start with oppenheimer or the trinity testing or the the quantum realm or anything like this or or even oppenheimer in the uk when he's studying physics it doesn't start there it starts with einstein einstein is portrayed in this film as having a guilt mm. and a shame that lingers with him for opening the door for this science to be built on Einstein laid the foundation people like Oppenheimer and all the people that worked in the Manhattan Project they built upon Teller and Heisenberg yeah they built upon that foundation and it ended up in a fucking Mm. bomb that might ignite the atmosphere can you imagine living with that can you imagine being the person that opened the doors for that to be a possibility oh it's insane it's insane fucking harrowing do you want my, my favourite thing about this film? Ooh, go on. And it's one that kind of caught me off guard, you know? Right. Do you remember in our Interstellar episode where I said Nolan does not deal in absolutes? Mm-hmm. Did in this film. Right, where? There is one 
character, Strauss. Yes. His story is told in black and white. Yes. Because every single interaction that he has and every single viewpoint he holds and his entire fucking story Mm -hmm. is black and white. It's this, that, or the other. It's the way Strauss sees the world, right? Yeah. Black and white, right and wrong, winning and losing. Yeah. There's no nuance. There's no anything. So this is where the color sequences come in, which are told Mm -hmm. from Oppie's perspective. Yeah. You get to see the world through Oppie's eyes and it shows to a degree the nuances Mm. of his thinking to each decision that he makes. It doesn't necessarily explain it, but it shows Mm. that there is a little bit of color to every decision that he makes, whether personal or professional. Strauss, dead set black and white. Mm -hmm. This is this. This or that. Yes or no. What's fascinating and and on brand for for that point mm-hmm. is I've got I've got a very similar takeaway, but I've taken it in a in a sort of social historical okay sense. Right, you've gone with the personal level. Hit me. Well, this is this is my big point about this film, right? And this is why. Okay, I'm going to ruin my rating now. This is by a large margin my favorite Christopher Nolan film. Interesting. I don't think he's made a film anywhere close to this good. Possibly since Memento. Oh. Possibly since Memento. Uh. I was, I, when I was watching this and re-watching this, I was trying to figure out why the film has another hour of runtime after the bomb. Mm-hmm. Why the black and white sequences are set in a communism paranoid Senate hearing yeah. of, a, of, a ex, of a fucking background character, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Robert Downey yeah. Jr.'s character is not all that pivotal to the story of the development of the atomic bomb. What is it in this... The development of the bomb, no. like Exactly, the, right. All the run-of-the-mill stuff after. Right. Yeah. So why that story? Why that story? And it comes back again to this constant fear of socialism, socialism, socialism. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, you know, communism is an idea capitalism is an idea and during the mccarthy trials uh, you know in america's history where they were exiling charlie chaplin for being a socialist and they were canceling oppenheimer's security clearance for being a socialist yeah and it comes down to the power of theories the theory of communism the theory of capitalism and be it fission versus fusion or communism versus capitalism the conversion of academic theory into practical applications equates to real measurable power okay Oppenheimer's a theory guy. He doesn't worry about the practice. He doesn't worry about the lab. He just comes up with the idea, right? Yeah. And then the idea becomes real and it becomes fucking terrifying. And the power that gave rise to rivalry between Russia and America, nuclear power, meant that they each got further and further entrenched and fanatical in their other ideas, communism and capitalism, right? Okay. After getting, you know, we now live in a world where US healthcare is considered socialist. That's a socialist thing. That's why we, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And a free press, a free press in Russia is considered treasonous and Western because of the events depicted in this film. <laughs> the issue with the world we we live in now is is that these events that these events created a world in which both of those parties, America and Russia, miss the paradoxical nature of the reality. America is pretending it's only a particle, and Russia is saying it's only a wave. And not realizing that in order to stay true to reality, you must be both. Because people are both. Oppenheimer was both. Fucking hell, man. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. You can't be just capitalist. You can't be just communist. But by that point, the idea's taken hold. The payload's gotten bigger. Yeah. Now it's in black and white. You're either so communist or you're capitalist. Give me one second, sorry. And that's why all this communism stuff's in there. (laughs) Because all we've done here is... Take his take history yeah. in the nineteen forties, mm-hmm. apply it. Uh, obviously, follow it all the way through to the modern day and use it as a as a comment on how the world mm. is today, right? And what I'm struggling with, Rob, is yeah, <laughs> how painfully accurate all of this shit is because it's yeah. This is by far mm-hmm. Chris Nolan's most emotionally draining movie that has ever fucking existed. I can't think of another film bar maybe E.T. that is this emotionally draining. (laughs) Because you're scared of the different reasons. (laughs) No, no, no. Wildly different reasons, right? E.T. is an absolute sweetheart. I fucking bore my eyes out every time I see it. I I find him terrifying. 
Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> okay, we're, yeah. we're going to circle back around to that. I'm in a All different right. headspace right now. That's hilarious. I will come back to this at some point. Yeah, yeah. It's the most emotionally draining thing ever. And the more you sit and go through it, mm-hmm. the more you're like, oh my God. So we can relate everything in the 40s and mm-hmm. everything that's depicted in this film to everything that's yeah. happening today. Yes. This is a rare thing with history where you I'm quite familiar with the Manhattan Project. I've yeah, yeah. To, you know, in the run up to this, when we started doing, Christopher Nolan and I started doing a bit of research. I started listening to podcasts. I started yep. uh, reading a few books. So I'm quite familiar with it. I was not expecting <laughs> what Christopher Nolan put in front of me because I yeah. was in bits. Yeah. I was fucking... Bo- I went to see this on my own in <laughs> yeah. the IMAX on the earliest possible screening mm-hmm. that I could. So I took the day off work yep. to go and do Barbenheimer. I did it the wrong way round. I did Oppenheimer and then oh, Barbie. Wrong way round. Yeah. Wrong way round. Straight off the bat. Um, but I did Oppenheimer at, at midday. Yeah. Empty stomach. I was buzzing my tits off. The IMAX was full. I sobbed mm. like a fucking child, man. Dude, mm-hmm. the build-up to the bomb being detonated, right? The build-up to the Trinity test is mm-hmm. disgusting. The amount of anxiety and stress and just non-stop ramping up that happens with the tension. Yeah. Ridiculous. Then you see all the possible outcomes. It could mm-hmm. destroy the world. We need to check with Einstein whether these calculations are correct. Can you can you you know double yep. check this for me? No, I don't want to be a part of it. But if this proves to be true, you tell the Nazis you both fucking stop what you're doing so that ne- so no one blows up the planet, right? Yeah, yeah. No one just no one ends the world. They still go ahead with it. Mm-hmm. They still justify this to themselves. They're still doing it as like, look, it's for the scientific purpose. We're pushing the boundaries of knowledge. We're doing X, Y, and Z for it all to be just taken away yeah. in the back of a truck. Yeah. And when everyone is like, so so what happens now? Everyone's yeah. like, what do you mean, sorry? <laughs> oh, this is all done. Yeah, yeah. you're done. Good job. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Good yeah. job. Yeah, I'll keep you updated your life. as much yeah. as I can. Yeah. See ya. For it all to just get like the rug pulled from under their feet immediately. Yeah. The way that every single you you mentioned it earlier with the uh, the viewpoints, every single viewpoint mm-hmm. is is portrayed in this. There is a moment where there's a radio broadcast from uh, Truman saying that the two bombs were dropped on Japan. Yeah, and everyone's celebrating, and the soldiers are celebrating. Our boys are coming home. The war is over. We're we're loving mm-hmm. life. This is fantastic. Oppenheimer's in tears because he realizes mm-hmm. that he's just killed. How he's directly responsible for however yeah. many thousands of deaths are going to follow yeah. this event because they're not sure they don't know, mm. uh, and every single scientist gets a, a tiny shot in this montage, and you see some of them looking woeful at each other, but f- sort mm-hmm. of forcing themselves to shake hands as if to be sort yeah, of like yeah. "good job, congratulations, mm-hmm. we did it," yeah, type shit. But you can tell, yeah, on everyone's faces, man, hundred percent, the gravity that hits mm-hmm. after that. I was in bits in bits it's nolan's most relevant film for me Mm -hmm. to just basic human experience right yeah i don't think he has another film because this is a biopic because it's based in history Mm -hmm. everything you see depicted happened in our world and has shaped the world that we live in yeah the america developed the bomb russia developed the bomb that led to the Cold War, that led to political mm. situations that are happening to this fucking day. Mm. It's the reason healthcare is not widely available in the US, because it seems like a communist socialist idea. So you've got the social, political relevance. Yeah. You've got the historical relevance. And the, all the stuff you just talked about, the intensely personal, emotional relevance. There's not a single scene in this movie that isn't relevant on all three fronts to what it is to be a human today. It's fucking mind-blowing, man. I like Right? I'd, I've seen this in the cinema a few times. I saw this yesterday because I was like, fuck, we're recording tomorrow. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I best free up three hours of my life to go <laughs> sit in a cold room. So, seeing it again yesterday, there was... Obviously, I got this first, second, third watches. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got the gist of the film. I've done my own little research and this, that, and the other. I've formed my opinions and this, that, and the other. When I watched it through yesterday, mate, there was two revelations that hit me like Jesus. a brick. Right. And do you know why? Why? Because I looked in 
to the process of nuclear fission and the process of nuclear fusion. Do you want to know why? Because I was like, Nolan's a cunt, and he's not just going to go, these are two nuclear words yeah, that are going here. Exactly, so what I yeah, went yeah. in with, mate, is I went in, I went in armed with the knowledge mm-hmm. that, uh, that fission... Is the splitting apart, yeah. Splitting apart of the atom, and fusion yeah. is obviously the colliding of two atoms. Yeah. Both of them making huge, huge amounts of energy, right? So I was like, okay, so let's see how this plays out in the film. Let's yeah. see where this can go with this. So with fission, it's flashes back to Oppenheimer's time developing mm-hmm. nuclear fission, right? Splitting yeah. the atom, his time with the Manhattan Project. It's told from Oppie's perspective. Yeah. Symbolically, the tales of his colleagues, romantic relationships, experiencing fission, like the splitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The trauma and the, you know, the torment that goes through and all of that stuff. He alienates uh, some of his colleagues whilst yeah. at Los Alamos, who later don't support him during the appeal hearing, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's the fishing, the splitting of everything. It's him driving a wedge between him and his colleagues, him and his wife. Yeah. It's him separating himself from the world. Yeah. Yeah, which is, well, I mean, we're separated from him from the Apple yeah. incident. As yeah, you yeah, yeah. Kindly pointed out, which just fucking feeds into my thing. Thank yeah. you. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got fusion. Yeah. The combining of two atomic nuclei together to form one different atomic nuclei and subatomic particles releasing mm. massive amounts of energy. Hydrogen bomb, right? Yeah. Or the super. As they call it, yeah. So the fusion, the black and white sequences, they tell the tale of Strass and Oppie who were playing the two atomic nuclei. Yeah, yeah. They were fashion. forced together when they should not have been to explosive <laughs> results yeah. for everyone involved because mm-hmm. both of their timelines are being told. Both of them go to shit. Yeah. No one gets what they want. Nope. They they achieve. They both achieve what they set out to achieve. Mm-hmm. No one's happy about it. No. Absolutely nobody. <laughs> they should not have been fucking <laughs> no. involved no, 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 with no. each other. Oppie doesn't get a security clearance and was ostracized from the scientific community. Strauss doesn't get support from the scientific community and therefore does not get a seat on the Senate. It's a fucking blender. It's yeah. just everyone yeah, yeah. in there gets shanked. You know what it's I mean? A, it's a fission fusion reaction. And, and I, I think this comes back to why this is my favorite by a large margin of Christopher Nolan mm. is that no matter what angle you look at this film... There is a thematic mm. reason. There is a micro reason for that one scene existing. Yeah. There's a macro reason for it existing. It's all like a giant fucking snake eating its own tail of writing and shooting. Ooh. And it's just, it, it's functionally perfect. It is. I'm, there's one moment in this film. There is one moment that ties everything in this film together. Right. And it's Oppie talking to Einstein at the pond. At yes. Princeton. Which keeps re- being referred to by Strauss as like, I don't know what I did to upset them. Because in, in the film, Strauss introduces, uh, or, or doesn't introduce, Oppenheimer comes to Princeton to get a job. Yeah. Uh, and Strauss is like, oh, Einstein's here. You should come say hi. And Oppenheimer's all jolly. He has a quick word with Einstein. And then Einstein walks away and he totally fucking blanks Strauss. Totally blanks him. And Strauss takes that as like a... Yeah, he takes it personal. He's like, "What yeah. the fuck did Oppie just say to Einstein to make him hate me? Yeah. Why is Oppie out to destroy my reputation?" Yeah, takes it personal. Now we don't find out what happens or what's said between Oppie and Einstein until the very last moment of the film. Right, so mm-hmm. it's the final closing few words of the film when we find out what was actually said. It turns out what Oppie did say to Einstein. Yeah, and I think I know why this why this sort of mm-hmm. triggered Einstein a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he says, Albert, do you remember the equation that I gave you? Mm-hmm. Which when was the we equation work- for... When we were working on the bomb. It's the, the equation that showed that yeah, it yeah. could, it could, in theory, start a chain reaction that would ignite the atmosphere and end the world. Mm-hmm. And he was like, do you remember I showed you that? Albert Einstein is like, yes. And he's like, and we were scared that it would end the world. And he was like, and what of it? And now Oppie says, I think it did, which yeah. is the scariest fucking thing that is uttered in the whole film. It's not but it's only, true. It is true, but it's, it's true on so many different levels, mm-hmm. right? To say that to Einstein, again, going back to mm-hmm. Einstein was the foundation of the science that Oppenheimer built on. The chain reaction. To yeah. say that to the person that built the fucking foundation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like... Cheers, bitch. Yeah. So it's on me. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Ah. So my so the world's ended. Mm-hmm. 
my science built your science. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, yeah, sound. And that's why he walked away. It's also why he doesn't put his hat back on. Hats in this is like a big thing for scientists. It's how you distinguish yeah, yeah. scientists between engineers and yeah. X, Y, and Z. He doesn't put his hat back on because he doesn't want to be associated with the scientists who yeah. fucking ended the world. Yeah. Which is mental. And the fact that it's like Strass saw that as a personal insult and was like, I'm going to fuck you over, Oppie. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. A hundred percent. For no 100%. reason. hundred percent. But but it's so entirely correct when you look at the history of what these weapons enabled politically. Yeah. In terms of, we've got them, you don't, you fucking listen. Mm. You know, and that world yeah, yeah. of optimism and American exceptionalism and the American dream and that sense of them being the most moral and the most giving and that sort of time of plenty, that whole thing that pe- we, we mock now is like the boomer generation where, oh, you didn't realize you had it so good, all ended because of what these weapons enabled politically. The entire fucking, fucking Cold War. Insane. The entire rise of rampant capitalism, meaning that people can't make their fucking rent at the moment mm. and people's grandmothers don't su- survive the fucking winter is because the west and the east decided to run to those ideologies of capitalism and communism that this weapon fucking enabled and to tell that contemporary story with do you remember when we said we were going to end the world i think we did mm. oh man fucking goosebumps 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 mate. i honestly i <sighs> I felt like a prick because I was sitting in the cinema because it was still relatively dark in there. Yeah. Desperately trying to fucking dry my <laughs> eyes before I stand up in the middle of this fucking crowded yeah. IMAX. Yeah. Start walking out. I looked like the dickhead that was sitting around to see if there was a cutscene after the credits. Like, I looked like I was infected, yeah. like fucking ravished with Marvel, <laughs> Marvel fever. You know what I mean? I hate that. I hate it so much. But, I, you know, I, it is I what it is, man. There, there's there's a, a theme in this of regret. You know, and a thousand percent, dude. The whole fucking thing is is nothing but regret, right? But also, but also pride, and also he doesn't at any point apologize for what he did, or even really. Although he has moments where he's overcome with the grief of his actions, he tried to. He tried to. He tried, he tried to. to. He, he went to the president and said, "Look, I think we need to talk about arms control. We need mm-hmm. to discuss with the the you know the East about what's happening with the the weapons. I'm I'm very concerned with X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I feel a horrible guilt for the bombs that we dropped on. He just got he gets laughed out of every scenario. He's like, you did your job. That was it. You yeah. did a job. That was it. I dropped the fucking bombs. Not yeah. you. No one's going to remember yeah, yeah. your fucking name for bombing Hiroshima and Nagasaki. <laughs> They're going to remember my fucking name. Now yeah. take my handkerchief, get out of my fucking Oval Office. Gary Oldman, by the way, just as a quick side note, Whoa. fuck me. He's fuck yeah. me. Dude, unreal. It's the sinister mm-hmm. bastard yeah. that just appears on screen. I was like, oh, it's Gary Oldman. Oh, oh, Gary, No. <laughs> no how dare you break me like this you bastard i also really appreciate that this film at no point shows at any point mm. a real nuclear weapon mm-hmm. any archival footage of a real nuclear weapon yep any of the victims of a nuclear weapon they are mm-hmm. left completely out of this piece of entertainment yeah of course how crass would that be to it's almost like making a joke about it bombing in Japan, Rob. It's <laughs> crass as fuck, right? <laughs> you can't bring that stuff into mm-hmm. the entertainment sphere when yeah. you're actively cashing in on it. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, talked exactly. about this in the fourth kind. You know what I mean? Yeah, I exactly. loved the fourth kind until we realized that the representation of the very real yeah. place and the very real phenomenon that are happening in that place was being used. Massively whitewashed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Which is just, it's not okay. So now it's, it's yeah. a harder film to, to watch now because yep. of its wild inaccuracies to a very, very fucking real situation. And I think you can talk about a thing without without exploiting that thing, you know. Uh-huh. And, and, that's and, the difference, and, and and that's exactly what this does. I have to take a quick sidebar because you took one about Gary Oldman, and I want to take mm-hmm. one here. Yeah, there are multiple shots used very heavily at the start of the film to incredibly effective use of sort of quantum phenomena, right? Electrons Ooh. spinning and yeah. atoms splitting and yeah. bonds between nuclei, and, right? And they're all achieved practically without the use of CGI. Yes, which is mental. And I want to 
I want to talk a little bit about why they are so much more effective than CGI. Okay. They could have achieved the exact same frames Mm -hmm. using CGI, right? I wouldn't have known that it was practical if I hadn't been told it was practical. But knowing it was practical, it added a weight to those scenes because they're figurative. They're not literal like depictions of electrons or whatever. They're much more like a feeling or a vibe or a this. Mm-hmm. But it adds such a sense of experimentation and achievement, you know, that you know that a film crew would have gone in with a camera and some stuff yeah. and gone, what can we do? And that experimental process is, yet again, on brand for the film that's being made, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to, to do it with a computer would run counter to the story that's being told. Yes, Rob. <laughs> yes, Rob. But also, and, uh, imagine being the guy that gets told, uh, okay, so Jerry, you're on, we need some, we need like spinning atoms yeah. effects, so you you and your team go tackle that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, Mark, 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 there you are. Your team are on. It's it's the idea is is it's like a sun hitting the desert with yeah. a reactive shot from the the desert floor, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. See you in two weeks, Billy, buddy. <laughs> strap in. Your job: nuclear explosion <laughs> with Sorry, no nukes. Sorry, what? Sorry, mate. Is this on? Hello. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nuclear explosion. Right. No nukes. So, but but Steve got the the one that's just raindrops. I mean, I, he, he you could get what Steve's doing by just zooming into a puddle. Yeah, we've given what, him a hose. He's got a hose. He came well, with his own hose, so that's why he got raindrops. <laughs> you, sir, have an explosive personality. That's uh, what that's what you've got. Okay, that's what it is. This there is, you go. That's why you get the bomb. This is punishment for me cutting in front of you in craft surfaces, isn't it? <laughs> Don't you fucking dare take my last steak ever again. I will hunt you down. Now go make a bomb. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, the fact that they managed to do it is insane, and and the way they managed to do it was was yeah. everything about this movie, man. Everything about this movie. There's a few talking of the VFX and stuff. There is there is one representation in this film that I need to I need to just yeah fucking touch on because there are multiple times in this film where the anxiety and the stress of Oppenheimer yeah. is portrayed right. So the first time that I noticed yeah. it was on the second watch through and it's where he's sitting on the train mm. after giving the lecture in the Netherlands. Yeah. And when you're watching it, right, the train's moving and everything's moving and it looks like you're on a train. The cushion on the mm-hmm. chair vibrates ever so slightly <laughs> as he's staring at the thing. And I was like, no, 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 that's not camera shape because I'm in fucking, mm. I'm in IMAX. So there's yeah. no way that that's like... The screen wobbling, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's none of that. And I was like, okay, so maybe that's something. And then I look into it. And then there's other moments in the film where they're, where they're about, they're like on the cusp mm. of doing something or figuring something out. And there is there is like the corners of the screen yeah. will like just ever so slightly out. round yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, and it yeah, just yeah. sort of, it's, it's almost unnoticeable, right? Yeah. But when you see it, it's the perfect representation of yeah. anxiety. But where yeah. your world feels like it's being shook just for a second. Mm-hmm. The entire world shakes around you and only you feel it. Yeah. 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 The yeah. way that that came across to me when I, when I fucking saw it, obviously like the, the celebration mm-hmm. in the great hall, yeah, everyone's yeah. stomping and this, that and the other. Um, we see it sort of at various points throughout the film when, when Oppenheimer's like inner turmoil and guilt starts playing up. He starts hearing the stomping of the feet and it's almost like he's preemptively visioning the celebration party to justify yeah the horrendous shit that he's having to do and the fact he might totally. own the fucking world. Um, but there's, there's at the fucking celebration, mm-hmm. like at the actual thing, the whole world goes silent. You get yeah. one blood curdling scream from this, you know, huge round of applause looking crowd of people. Yeah. Uh, everything is like whiting out. A woman's face looks like she's just fucking melted yeah. off. I didn't mean that's to his, laugh at that. That's it just caught me off Nolan's, guard. That's Christopher Nolan's daughter, by the way. It is. It is. <laughs> He put her in the film because he felt that depicting such events that would have such personally affecting consequences, mm. he needed to put something personal on the table too. He needed. That's he needed. To, he needed to, to to make it real for him. Me. Right? Can you imagine like approaching your daughter about this, darling? I've got the role just for you. I'm gonna blow you up with a nuclear bomb. <laughs> 
I'm going to put all this stuff all over your face and make it look like you have been radioactively melted. <laughs> but don't worry. It yep. is in front of Killian Murphy. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. No, the anxiety is incredibly well well uh, represented. And I, I think it's it's key to the, the pacing of this film. You know, it's shot on IMAX, mm-hmm. even though it's 90% dialogue. And it yes. is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. I think it, it, is. And it fully justifies the 100% IMAX filming and it fully requires it. And, and, and the technical achievement, you know, the, there, there was no black and white IMAX film before this existed. They had to invent black and white IMAX yeah, film I, stock. I, see, like, again, you're saying this stuff like it's supposed yeah. to be impressive, but it's Christopher Nolan. So it's like, yeah, obviously. Oh, also, <laughs> IMAX cameras didn't exist in space. But then when Interstellar, Christopher Nolan wanted to send 40 of them to the fucking yeah, moon. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, 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 you see what I mean? Shit like this, it's like I'd expect it. You could literally totally. say anything and I'd expect but it. But I, f- I feel like in this one more than anything, the things that he's achieved are... A thousand and one subtle moments yes. that make this so much greater than the sum of its parts. So, so much greater than the sum of its parts. Do you want mm-hmm. to play a game? I would love to play a game. But first off, buddy, I need to ask you, do you want to play a game? <laughs> oh, I've been, I've been up-gamed. <laughs> uh, it's paradoxical yeah. because we're going to play a game. But uh-huh. you see, it's the theme. Yeah, it's the I like theme. It. We're, keeping okay. it, we're keeping it going. Okay. You can't hear it, but I'm snapping my fingers. Game me up. It's super sweaty. Game me up. So they're not making noise. <laughs> <laughs> game me up, bud. The theme to this game, Rob, is films that have bombed. Ooh, Get it? Ooh, yes. It's a subtle joke. In Japan or just generally? No, Rob, we're better than that. This is globally. Oh, okay. Because right, we're fine. all people. Nice. I don't know what that <laughs> That's getting cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, okay, so movies that bombed. I'm going to give you the cast list. You have mm-hmm. to guess what the film is. Okay. Now, what I've done here, Rob, is I've famous... You are famously into cinema. And yep. don't give a fuck about B-movies or shit movies <laughs> that don't get any recognition. So what I've done here yep. is switch myself out of the seat because I feel like I do all right here. I've put right. you in the seat and picked some of, uh, some good films. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, Ready? okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the first film, Rob, movie that bombed, starred Kurt Russell, Dennis Dunn, James Hong, Victor Wong, and Kim Cattrall. Uh, I'm going to go with Escape from L.A. You are shockingly close. You're way closer than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> okay. Same right. director. <laughs> right. Same director. It's John Carpenter. It's Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, oh, oh. Because it's Kim such Cattrall, a cult man. classic, I always forget that yeah. it was fucking universally ignored. Yeah, it's incredible. But that cost between 19 and 25 million and only made 11 million. Oh, I know. Oh. Shocking. Okay, you ready for number two? I am indeed. All right. So the cast of this movie, Rob, from nine. Yes. No, I'm not going to tell you the year because you'll probably get it. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Russell, Keith mm-hmm. David, Wilford Brimley, TK Carter. I mean, again, the only one in that cast that I've heard of is Kurt Russell, and I'm sensing a theme that maybe if mm. Kurt Russell came to me with a movie idea, I'd be like, ah, mm. ah, maybe not this time. But, but he's I'd- also been in some bangers, though, yeah, right? Yeah, he has. Uh, okay, mm. give me the cast list again. Kurt Russell, Keith David, Wilford Brimley, TK Carter. That was my game show host voice. I'm going to go with uh, Escape from L.A. Close. Close. <laughs> Same director. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Cost oh. about 15 million to make, only made 19. But in all fairness, it was again, up against like fucking E.T., Poltergeist. There was a shitload going on that that was And again, against. it's such a classic of cinema that I didn't even consider yes. that it might have flopped. The Thing that I saw, the Thing screening that I went to end of last year is yeah. the busiest cinema I've ever been in in Telford. Jesus for Christ. For a film from 1982. Fucking anyway, hell. you're ready for the third and final one, Rob? Does it star Kurt Russell and is it directed by John Carpenter? <laughs> No, it doesn't. I've switched it up for you a little bit. Okay. 
And I think you'll be pressed to get this one, buddy. Ready? Okay. Ezra Miller. Oh, the flash, the flash, the flash, the flash. <laughs> There we go, buddy. Yeah. So the uh, the Flash 2023 cost 200 million to make. Jesus they spent 65 million on marketing. That's 265 oh. million dollars total, and it made a grand total of 268.1 million. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! They'd have been better off sticking it in a fucking bank account and waiting a month. They, yeah. They would have been better off not shelving the fucking Batgirl movie and maybe shelving the one that was full of sex crime. (laughs) That is bad, isn't it? It's fine. They made their choices. Now they live with it. Enjoy your three million, I guess. Um. (laughs) That is... We still need to watch The Flash. It is technically a Batman movie and we did cover every Batman movie ever. I've watched it. We do need to cover it for the Batman series. Yeah. But do we, though? We do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we do. But do we? I'm not going to relish it, but come on, dude. We did. We did Batman versus Superman. We can do the Flash. We did Justice. We did the Snyder cut of the Justice League, mate. I would take a shot in the mouth from the fucking Snyder cut of the Justice League if it meant <laughs> never watching that again. Anyway, <laughs> give me your Nolan movies in order of how much you love them. Right. Start with the worst and work your way up. The one I love the least mm-hmm. is following. I'll agree. The one I love the least next is Insomnia. I'll agree. I'll then go Dunkirk. Oh, wildly (laughs) disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll then go... uh, I'm actually personally offended at that because you're looking at my list. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'll then go Inception. Okay. Memento. Right. Tenet. Interstellar, The Prestige, and then Oppenheimer. Okay, hold on a sec, because I got confused there. I was waiting for the Batman trilogy to come into your list. I've excluded them because they're Batman movies, not Christopher Nolan movies. Fuck's sake. All right, let me take them out of mine. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to know how I rank the Batman movies, you've got to go listen to our Batman episodes. You do? You should anyway. They're fun. They're fucking great. I hated Batman. I didn't. I didn't want to do Batman either. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, everything you've brought to the table. Yeah. I was like, can we not though? How about that? Can we not? Can we I'd just be do interested, I'd be interested to rewatch the Batman movies now we've done this together. Yeah. Same. I'm not gonna, but <laughs> we'll watch them together at some point. We don't yeah, have to do yeah. anything with the show. Let's just watch them together. That'll be good. Do you want my uh, Do you want my Nolan ranking, excluding the Batman films, which I was not aware? Yes, please. That was a thing. <laughs> yes, please. All right. So, in order to least favorite to most famous, fa- famous least favorite <laughs> to most favorite. Yes. Following. <laughs> Kelsapreece. <laughs> Insomnia. Yep. Obviously. Tenet. Ooh. It's because of the story, man. Like, it's a great action movie. It's a great way of I just think for Nolan, it's it's weak. You okay. know what I mean? Okay. It's incredible, I, but it's it's for what he's done with other... Yeah, I love it, but I know I'm wrong. So I'll accept that. You're not wrong, though. You you are correct. <laughs> You're completely correct. I'm just... I'm also correct. I'm just, in this case, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Next, it would be <laughs> Memento. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Inception. Right, yep. Then The Prestige. Wow, okay. Then Interstellar. Yep. And I've cheated a little bit because I have two number ones. Oh, eat shit. For the same reason and for opposite reasons. Right. Dunkirk and Oppenheimer are going to share my number one spot. Really? They're going to share my number one spot. They're both historical, uh-huh. historically accurate events, right? Yeah, yeah. Dunkirk is so dialogue light that yeah. he still captures every fucking emotion and moment yeah. is is so full of heart yeah. in every other scene. Whereas he does the polar opposite in Oppenheimer, where it yeah. is nothing but dialogue and close up faces. It's still just as beautiful. Yeah. It's, and like, just as it's moving. like he does Dunkirk and then he goes, But I can do the other thing. Here, watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're my yeah, favourites. Yeah, That's why yeah, they, yeah, they okay. share joint, because it's like That's fair. he did one incredible yeah, yeah, and then yeah, he did yeah. the polar opposite incredible yeah. and then just went oh, well, i guess i don't know what kids movie now i guess i don't know what spy kids up to these days <laughs> oh mate don't don't 
don't get my hopes up like that. Don't make me dream. Robert Rodriguez, just saying. I'm just going to say. First appearance of Machete, just saying. I'm just going to say, given where this is in our Nolan ranking and that it's above mm-hmm. some fat tens we've already given, we can we can move on and say fat ten for Oppenheimer. Yeah, easy. Please, I, I, yeah. Don't, yeah. 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 Fat ten. Fattest if, ten. If it's for incredible. some reason you've got this far in our podcast uh, because you didn't think you were going to see it, I hope you change your mind. I hope really do. Like I, I know you think it's not for you. I guarantee mm. you it is. The performances, the cinematography. All of it is fucking beautiful. Have we got time for Comment Corner? I know we're over time. I don't care about being over time. We've received the most incredible email (gasps) (laughs) in our entire lives. Yes, we did. So I'm going to read it out word for word because it is brilliant. Uh, You told me to check the email account. I did, and it made my fucking week. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is from William Dickinson. Says, good morning slash evening. I just wanted to say that your podcast is simply awesome. I truly enjoy all your opinions and insights into each Aww. film. The way you discuss them and how passionate you are is a breath of fresh air. I've been hopping around on your episodes. I'm currently in the Universal Monsters and I wanted to share these pictures with you. My friend loves the original films and collects busts of the characters, but in these, there are pictures of his two pinball machines one of the creature of the Black Lagoon and one, and the other from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Thank you two gentlemen. Apart from the movie reviews, the way you truly care about each other is inspiring and rare in today's world. I thank you both. Enjoy your weekend. I can't wait to hear what comes next. William Dickinson, you, sir, are a fucking scholar and a gentleman because not only really did you send us nine pictures <laughs> of, of a collection of busts from Universal Monsters, which are all incredible creature mm-hmm. of the black lagoon insanely cool the frankenstein's super fucking cool uh you also sent pictures of the pinball machines yeah which now i'm like wildly jealous of because yeah, the, the mary shelley's frankenstein pinball machine with kenneth branagh's face right kenneth branagh's face all over it mate it's incredible robert de niro's frankenstein is like a little fucking pinball cushion <laughs> it's fantastic so thank you. I want to see you play that whilst doing your Jar Jar Binks impression reading Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't think I can multitask that much, man. Like, I, can, <laughs> I can do terrible accents or I can do pinball. How you dare you I mean? say terrible accents? Uh, your Jar Jar Binks imp- is incredible. You're not doing it now. Go listen to the no, Mary the Shelley accent's Frank- horrible. My impersonation is incredible. Spot yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. To- tooting my own horn all the way to the bank. Fucking toot toot. Go check our episode on uh, on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein if you want to hear Ben do his Jar Jar. It is incredible. <laughs> uh, but off. that email genuinely uh, means the world. It really does. And it I really think does. one of the reasons it means the world to me is that it correctly identifies that I, you do mean the world to me, bud. Aww. And this podcast means the world and I'm having a shit fucking week and I feel great. It's half nine. I'm sat in my own ball sweat like some sort of mm. melted candle man. And right. I'm having a great time for the first time Good. all fucking day because I'm hanging Glad out with man. my bud. Well, I fucking love you too, mate. I do. Um, do gay. you... <laughs> <laughs> do you gay... Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, do you have anything to contribute to Comment Corner or are you just going to yell hate crimes at me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we asked on our socials. We were going to start asking now. You're going to see a lot more of our faces uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, yeah, and we are going to ask you some questions because we like hearing from you. This week, we asked you if there was a Barbie that was going to be released that would make you buy a Barbie doll. What it would be? Oh, we did. And hit me with some good ones. Bad movie cult say that they would need them to release a Carl Weathers Barbie. I yeah, hundred percent would buy that. A thousand percent would buy that. Adam Smart eighty four said that Ben's would be a final girl Barbie. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Yep. Barbara Crampton, Phyllis Rose signed yep. up immediately purchased uh bradavial said or brad brad avial brad avial i don't know they're a fucking legend absolute legend uh iconic 80s 90s movie characters ripley 80s sarah connor josie mcclellan buy him. Buy um, he- heather from silent hill 3 which i guess you'd get as a reference i wouldn't 100 percent buy um, it. <laughs> or standard punk goth tool fan with trashy hair i'm like Ooh, fuck yes you'd buy that though I would buy that. I I would need to the 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 tool Barbie to have a button on the back that would yeah. mansplain tool songs to people, being like, "Did you know that oh. Lateralis is based on the Fibonacci sequence?" That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great. And then it sort of as as you're falling asleep, there should be sort of like a battery operated timer mm-hmm. in there that just yeah, every yeah, yeah. 
and like a, an indeterminate amount of time will pass and it'll just start playing schism. Yeah, so you can just be lying there. You'll be about to go sleep and it go, but a land and dandum, but a land and And this is just for the tool fans, one that falls apart and you know it fits back together, but you just can't figure it out. <laughs> oh, God. I, it's, uh, I, listening to that band is such a fucking headache. Yeah. I don't, I don't know a single person that gets back from a busy day of work and goes, do you know what would really, really relax me and unwind me right now? Tool. You're literally talking to one. You're literally talking it's to It's mental to me. That's like going home and going, do you know what would really relax me right now? Maths exam. Or watching a Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I'm starting to understand you so much. <laughs> uh, everyone that got in touch had really good ones, but we are super pressed for time. We've, we've gone over because of the finale for our Christopher Nolan series. If Christopher fir- Nolan! <laughs> if this is the first <laughs> of our episodes you've heard... Welcome. That was Comment Corner. You can get involved in Comment Corner really fucking easily by just interacting mm. with us on the socials. We have Instagram, we have TikTok, we have Facebook, and we have a We Discord. have a brand fucking new website. Hey, we got a brand fucking new we website. We have a brand new everymovieeverpodcast.com. We're Go fucking to the website. World Wide Web, baby. Hell yeah. RIP to your retinas. <laughs> the work you did on the website has blown me away, but it is is genuinely incredible, and it is all Ben's work. Thanks, so man. go visit the website. You can tell it's my work because there's spelling mistakes, and also <laughs> it doesn't really track for mobile phones. So if you're going to look at it, do it on your laptop. <laughs> it works great on mobile phones, and we fixed all the spelling. So fuck you, Ben. You did good. Take their compliment. Uh, that's Thanks, all the man. time we have for this week. Uh, we love you all dearly. Do join the we Discord really because we've got a film coming up in the next couple of weeks that is going to be streaming uh, exclusively on there and available to download on the Discord. Yes, it is. Uh, by the time you listen to this. So get that so you will know what the fuck we're talking about because we are going to cover a film that's not really that available except on our Discord. So go fucking it's join it. That it's not available. It's that it isn't available. <laughs> this, you can laugh about it all you want, mate. You told me what we were doing. I've still not found it. The only reason I have it is because you gave it me after searching for about two weeks. You've only got my word. It's actually a real film. <laughs> yeah, I, I still don't know. I've looked into it a bunch and I'm like, yeah, this just... Fine, we'll get into it then. Guys, yeah. thank you so fucking much for hanging out with us and listening to two fully grown adult men discuss the story of a man on a mission to martyr himself at an attempt of redemption. Pineapple, fucking got it in. Good shit. (laughs) 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 Unpineapple. Good use of the safe word. I'm keeping that in. Uh, In the meantime, I'm going to cosplay a society and tell you to do what society always tells you to do, while Ben wraps up the themes of Oppenheimer in a pithy sentence that thanks you for the hour of your time that you've spent with us. How the fuck am I supposed to do this? you up right for the week. <laughs> what the fuck am I supposed to do? That's fine. I know what I do. I'm going to do what society does and go, <gasps> consume. Guess the fucking main thing would be, like doing your job is one thing and you should be proud of it and you can do it, but where does the morality come into it? Like where do, where do you draw the line for you? Where does doing your job well for the powers that be corrupt you morally? And I guess it's trying to figure out where that point is before you're tasked with building an atom bomb. Which I'm I'm not going to say that our listeners aren't out there building bombs. A couple of you might be. I just don't think it's a majority. I'm just going to put that one out there.